Whole sports are plays. Whole sports are plays. Whole sports are plays. We're making a place, we're talking the game, get you through the days We're high in the court, they're dying in the lane Variety topics, living the same All presentation, sports information In the airways, taking the nation All sport, all plays, they're working your faces Grace at the field, so type the laces All sports, all plays Welcome back to He's on Fire podcast. We have a couple special guests tonight. And starting off, we got our very own Kyle Murphy. Kyle, how are you doing, my man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for agreeing to come on. It's been a while. We've been messaging back and forth, so it's good we could finally uh, find a time to get you on. And I know you got to get out of here kind of soon and say hi to everybody in the back for me, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, the wife, uh, her best, my wife's uh, birthday is coming up, um, and her best friend is in town from Chicago. So uh, they are in. We were, they were outside. Now they're inside, and then I got dinner to finish. So yeah, it's uh what turned out to be a mellow Sunday then has turned into a, a much busier Sunday as the evening has progressed. Uh, welcome to life. Welcome yeah. to having kids and a wife and all the good stuff. Uh, so I know we only got a few minutes with you and I really want to get into it. I want to get your thoughts and kind of understanding of a few things when it comes to Arizona State football. And one of them, I think with a lot of people, is our expectations seem to be higher than maybe what is realistically in front of us. So when you committed, was it back in 92 or 93 when you actually uh, committed? I committed in December of 92. Um, that was my, I was playing basketball at the time in high school. So I was trying to get all my trips done. I actually took four trips in two weeks because I took a midweek uh, trip to Colorado state. So in the span of you know, two full weeks. Uh, I had all my trips. I committed at to Arizona State while I was there. Um, didn't my parents were actually there because we drove over. Uh, I didn't talk to them about it. I committed in Bruce's office. Um, that was a byproduct for me of I thought my chance to play early was good. Um, I loved Cazetto. Cazetto was really a bigger extension of what my high school program was like in terms of brutality and, and honesty um, and then I had family who lived in Mesa at the time so for me it was kind of a combination of all those things um, it was more about what I wanted than it was I mean to be honest until I moved I grew up in Portland I moved down to Orange County when I was 15 so until I moved down to Orange County I didn't even think college football was something I was going to be doing it wasn't until after my junior year, midway through my junior year, that I, I was told that it was something that could happen. And then that's when everything kind of changed for me. So uh, the only thing I knew when I was getting recruited really, too, is that UCLA and SC didn't weren't high on me at all. Um, so I was happy because I grew up not liking them. So that wasn't really <laughs> hard for me. Um, it was, And it came down to Arizona State and Oregon. Um, and I really didn't feel like going back to Oregon. So um, it was Arizona State. And so, it was never, again, I didn't know much about college football other than my last couple of years when I was at in high school. So it wasn't something I knew. I didn't know the history about. I didn't know much about anything. I just knew that there were, you know, the Notre Dames and the um, the big time schools, you know, for that at that time it was Notre Dame. You know, UCLA, SC, um, you know, Ohio State's always been there. Michigan's always been there. You know, the, the Southeastern schools, those types of things. But for me, it was just about, oh, I can go play college football. Awesome. Great. Who, who, somebody's going to pay for me to go to school? Oh, outstanding. <laughs> Where's the best opportunity to play and where do I feel the most comfortable? And so long-winded Arizona State was the choice. Absolutely. And and what it sounds like to you, it was really kind of a no brainer going into it. So the year before you got there, the team was six and five. What were your not only personal expectations, but maybe team expectations as well going into your freshman 93 season? <laughs> I laugh because my expectations were I did not want to die. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I went to spring ball after I committed and I legitimately told my dad and I told Gazetto, I can't play here. Like, I can't. Why did you recruit me? There's no way I can play here. Um, these guys are too big, too fast. Too, like, there's no way. And so your freshman year really is about just acclimating to college and trying to figure out where you stand in the locker room and trying not to piss off any seniors. Um, try not to get, you know, uh, picked on by them in terms of, you know, by keeping your mouth shut and just kind of doing the, the work. So coming in, it, I knew I wasn't going to start. I knew I was going to redshirt. So that was, you know, that wasn't something that, you know, I'd come in and thought I was going to play. I knew what was going to happen. So it was just about, honestly, just trying to survive, trying to, you know, you're trying, you're 18 years old, you're, you know, first time you've lived away from home and you're trying to, you know, navigate, you know, this new relationship, which is your football team and, and where do you fit in and how do you fit in? And, um, and then you're going to school and you're trying to open up a checking account, all the things that normal <laughs> students, you know, do. And so I, I, I didn't really have an expectation. I didn't know much about what had happened the previous year. Um, I knew that we had talent. We had Shantae Carver, we had Mario Bates, Toby Mills was, you know, starting center. So we had dudes. Um, and so I, I was excited, but I didn't know anything other than that. Like it wasn't, Oh, Hey, we're going to go to the Rose bowl or we're going to, man. I, again, I was just trying to Keep find your head my above way. water. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's you're, you're just like this and you know, you're, you're playing on the scout team and you've gone from, you know, you've played every game to now you don't even get to suit out for games. You're not traveling, you know, well, so it's just about mm. really navigating that whole landscape as a freshman. And then, you know, that's what spring ball becomes your first couple of years is really trying to make your mark. And then after that, if you've established yourself, spring ball just becomes a nuisance. <laughs> so at what point did you actually feel comfortable and you were like, yeah, I can do this and I can do it at a high level. Um, it wasn't until 95. So it'd be my third year. Um, I had started three games in 94. I was the backup center, but I was so light. I was only like two, 270 pounds and I got abused in some games like against Cal specifically Brandon Whiting, who was a true freshman at the time, just absolutely abused me. Um, so the, there was a lot of, it was a huge roller coaster. And then you always have player meetings after the season and because was like hey you got to get bigger and stronger enough like yeah <laughs> yeah totally for sure <laughs> um and so 95 um i remember uh we were playing at oregon and it was they were ranked 10th at the time i was coming off uh an acl tear that i didn't have to have reconstructed which was nice and so but i missed three games and so was struggling the first half of that game and, and Kirk Roberts in the center, you know, got in my face at halftime and said, Hey, you talk about wanting to be the best and you got to go play like it. And then after that point, just kind of knew like at that point, I was like, yeah, you're right. And so I played, you know, better 95 and then getting to play with the same guys to your left. You know, I got to play with Juan for two straight years and I got to play with Kirk for two straight years. That is, you know, makes you better because you're playing with the same guy. So it, I would say probably, you know, that game, Oregon 95 really was the catalyst for me being confident um, to play. But I was never, it's interesting that you asked that question because I always, you know, it was never good enough. Like I, I, I would go home mm -hmm. and watch the game tape and now oh, it's like, you know, here's the 15 plays I could have done, you know, much, much better in. And you just focus on those. So I never really felt I was confident in what I was doing because I put in the work. Uh, I never felt like I was one of the best players, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Somebody that had to keep pushing and pushing just to get to that level. And sometimes you need somebody else to come over and tell you, hey, what the hell, man? And then you can just skyrocket there. Uh, it, I, co I coached a couple of kids that are like that. Yeah. And I mean, again, the byproduct is, you know, people talk about the guys on that team and it, it was everybody like you get, you, 
you really start to gain confidence from the guys you play around. And, you know, we got to play around the same group of guys for two years and we gained a lot of confidence uh, from each other. So, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, and it's a whirlwind. Like you don't, you don't really know until it's over too. Like sometimes you don't really recognize how special a season is or how you know well you've played until things mm-hmm. are over. So um, I would definitely say when my time was up, you know, that's when I spent more time going, oh, well, yeah, I've, com- I've accomplished some things, which is, you know, pretty cool. Well, especially as a college kid, we're all young and dumb and and just don't know any better. And the good old days are only the good old days when you look pat, back on them, right? Never in the moment. So <laughs> 1995, that was the year, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was the 70 to 20 shellacking. 70, 77 to 28. Shellac- yes. And you know it, you know it by heart. And then you, <laughs> yes, I you said, <laughs> yep. Uh, I, I heard you on one of the podcasts. I believe it was with uh, Joe Healy and uh, Speak of the Devils podcast. You you spoke on that one time and then you remembered that or maybe it was a, a tweet that you had one time saying you remembered that going into next season. But the 95 season was also you didn't play in that game. That was also the USC shellacking 31 nothing. So you guys come off of as a group collectively, you come off this 95 season. Uh, what is it? Six and six and five. You know, not, nothing horrible, nothing great. You're just kind of average. What what are, what are your expectations going into the 96 season? You're, you're going through spring ball. You're seeing all the guys you have around you again. You're seeing what's coming up. What is the team expectations going into 96? Oh, the, the team expectation was that we're going to the Rose Bowl. I mean, Jay came in. We had a, a meeting, and he came in with the hat, NBR, NBR, and he had a rose in his mouth. NBR stands for nothing but roses, and – you know, it, it's where we dedicated. It was in that meeting that we, you know, all of us said collectively, "Hey, we're you know we're not going home. Nobody's going home. Everybody's staying. Everybody's going to work." Um, and that was because of, I mean, yeah, the Nebraska game. It, it, what truly precipitated that was the season, of course, but it was playing Arizona and being up by two touchdowns with seven and a half minutes to go and losing that game uh, and that was devastating because it was a chance to go to a bowl game and for all of us you know it was our first opportunity to go since we'd been there so we you know it was a team meeting and it was like this is what we're doing and we did you know 99 percent of the guys stayed and we worked and you know there was just an extreme confidence uh, about who we had and because of the work you put in and it's um, I've had this conversation with other guys that have played. It, there is a shared experience. And, you know, we had shared that and we just, we were tired of losing and said, you know, enough is enough. Um, and as I said, you know, a couple of weekends ago, and as I have always said about that team, you want to have great teams, have great guys, right? Or great, great athletes, great people, any great team, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter. The, from, you know, WNBA to NBA to Major League Baseball to, women's you know world cup soccer you have great teams because you have great athletes sure but you have great people who are unselfish and understand what a team is and Mm. all of those things and and we did and we understood our role and who the leaders of that team were and um you know just all we cared about was winning man that's (laughs) that's all that mattered just let's uh, we just got to win like i don't care jake didn't care and and that again Mm. comes from top jake didn't care about his stats he didn't care he didn't care like he just wanted to win because if we won, then we're all having fun, which is, you know, as, as a coach, you know, it's true. You know, the winning, when you win, man, there's no greater feeling, right? Absolutely. And I'm one of those guys where winning and losing are two different things for me. Sometimes when I win, it's actually more of a, a sigh of relief. And when I lose, there's no worse feeling. So yeah. unfortunately, I hate to lose. And it sounded like you had guys that hated to lose. We all hated to lose. Like, I, again, I hate to lose. Like, I, I, I hate it with a passion. I will. Uh, I know. Do you let <laughs> no. do you let your kids win in Monopoly? Oh, here, maybe this. Well, first, we don't play Monopoly, but I'll give you this will answer that question for you, too. Uh, <laughs> two weekends ago, we were uh, playing. We were at a wedding and we're at the Airbnb of the groom. And there was an air hockey table and my son wanted to play. My son's nine. And so I started, you know, playing with him and he said, dad, you know, don't hit it so hard. And I looked at him and I said, no, 
uh that's not how the game's played <laughs> so we play and he hit and he and he was fine he hung with me and um so no i don't i think you know um there's one way to play and so the, the, you try to win that's the whole point of playing <laughs> so and I so I, so i assume going from the 96 to the 97 season obviously coming off the Rose Bowl loss, which I was personally just crushed as a as a young kid watching it, really not knowing much about college football because my parents, you know, didn't really care. But knowing what I knew at the time, I was crushed and I didn't know why. I didn't know why I was so crushed and why it was such a big deal because I was, oh, what was I? I was 10 back then. Had mm. no, no idea much about sports up until that point except for the sun's blowing it against the bulls. And then this kind of heartbreak, otherwise the games are just kind of met at that point. But I knew that was a huge, huge loss. And it turns out that was our last time we got to visit the Rose bowl. So going into the 97 season, did your expectations change thinking there we're going to be back? There's, I, I don't think of anything, anything less, or did you understand the reality of it? Well, yeah. I mean, you have a brand new quarterback coming in. Right, you're, you know, we knew Jake was moving on, and so he had spent four years. So there's going to be changes, and we, which meant that we were going to have to rely on the O line and in the running game offensively more so than than we had um, perhaps in the past in terms of more pressure on us. Like we were always we ran the ball really really well in both years, '96 and '97. It just you know the it was a, it wasn't as we weren't as dependent on the run because if we needed to, Jake could, could do stuff or the, uh, you know, again, because he was a vet vet. Um, and then when Ryan Keeley won the job, you know, we knew again, it was best for the team. He was, you know, there was a battle in camp and in the spring. And so he had won that, uh, not so much in the spring cause Ryan was coming off surgery. Um, uh, but we we knew that we had a chance to be good. But you don't you don't ever expect like the expectation isn't, hey, we did it one year, hey, we can do it again. That's that's what you're fighting for, and that's what the goal is. I would say the expectation was we expected to keep the tradition of winning, right, and how we played, and that was more important really than again the one at the time philosophy was like you're not necessarily looking. That's the goal: goals to beat Arizona, goals to win the Pac-10, goals to go to the Rose Bowl. The goal had to be accomplished one week at a time, though, and that's kind of how we focused on it. And it started out great. You guys beat Miami second week of the season. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that was huge. I, you know, we didn't. I didn't follow it as much as I do now. You know, obviously with Twitter, social media, it makes it easy. And you guys had a great season that year, so the expectation was there. The foundation was was laid. Go to the Rose Bowl, win nine, ten games, beat Arizona. That's what a lot of people think the expectation of Sun Devil football should be. So from uh, a, maybe a fan's perspective, you played there. So who am I to say fan's perspective or what it is? But for your perspective as, an, as, a, as a former player, a former great player, what is your expectation of this Sun Devil program? Because we're going through this cycle of every 45 years, we're getting new coaches. You know, we start young and we look good and we finally get to a point where we should be winning all these games. And then it just flounders with every coach what is your personal expectation of this program maybe not this year but moving forward and what it should be does that I mean, make sense yeah it does i mean the expectation should be i mean my expectation is that we compete for the pack for the pack 12 championship every year like that should be the expectation that should be the expectation as a player and if that's not your expectation as a player then you shouldn't be playing honestly i mean that, that should be your expectation as a coach that should be your expectation as a fan now does that mean, and I've had this conversation with others, I, I think you can be critical and still be a fan. I think you can be critical and not be mean. I think there's a difference between the two. I think um, I have a tendency at times that I can be overbearingly critical. Um, I don't want to see the same mistakes in week two that, you know, in week 10. Those same mistakes should not be happening if your team is improving. And that's ultimately what you want to see. Like a great example is New England, right? There's an expectation in New England, the Patriots, regardless. 
doesn't matter who the quarterback is. There is an expectation. And if you watch that team play today, that team gets better as the year goes on. And that's really what you should be seeing. You should not be seeing the same mistakes. And with the level of talent that ASU has, there should be no question that they're competing for, for those championships. That's the point of the, the talent, right? The talent isn't just to accumulate talent. It's to win football games and win championships. You more people want to come. I mean, you know, Alabama is Alabama because of the standard they've set, right? And now people want to go play there because winning is a lot of fun. It's hard, but it's a lot of fun. And look, ultimately, you got to put the work in. You want to win football games, you got to sacrifice something. You want to win anything. You want to be great at anything. You're going to have to sacrifice something. And what that is, is different for every player um, and for every team. And I don't know what that is for this team. I know something's missing though so, mm. um i think what's impressive is that they found they have found ways to win and look ultimately you got to get w's and that's you're going to be judged on your season on that so whatever their season ends up being it's going to be judged on their wins and their losses same thing with us being nine and three same thing you know with the 11 and one season all of the six and five three and eight you know you're judged on your wins and losses so if they end up at nine and three People aren't going to care that they struggled midway through the year. You know, people will say, hey, you know, you had the opportunity to win 10. Okay. True. Ultimately, winning and finishing strong is what's important. So they have to beat Oregon State and then they have to beat U of A. And I think if they do those things, then they have bounced back after, you know, a pretty tough dip in the middle of the season right um, if they lose one of those two or they continue to have inconsistent play i think that's i mean again inconsistent play and losing is one thing inconsistent play and winning is another right you don't want the inconsistent play but if you find a way to win great i think that's where fans are frustrated though is the inconsistency in the way in which we play that's to me, that's the frustration is, you know, if you, Absolutely. If, if you lose because you're playing, you know, hard out and the other team just, you know, look, the other team just played better than you, but you, you know, you keep getting better and you're playing consistent football. That's a heck of a lot different than, you know, not right. So, Absolutely. um, I mean, I always want us to win a pack 12 championship because I don't like any of the other teams. So, um, I think that's what you should compete for. I think, you know, with the, the facilities and, and where they're at, I, I think it's unrealistic. We're not there yet, but I think that should be the goal and that should be what people strive for and shouldn't really accept less than that, right? Shouldn't accept, uh, I guess, ultimately, two things can be true at the same time. You can be happy that you came in, came in second, let's say, right? That, and still disappointed that you didn't win the, the Pac-12. Both things can be true doesn't have to be either or and that's kind of how I look at it like I want the kids and ultimately I want the kids to have the success that we've got I got to have right that Absolutely. that's what got to have that's that's what it's about it's like you know it's again it's great that we went to the Rose Bowl it's great that people celebrate us but holy for lack of a better word holy shit it's been 25 years like let's gotta get another team there so and that's really what becomes difficult in a four to five year is the consistency. The problem is, is that you got to, part of that inconsistency is the people who have been running, you know, who are running the program. That like everything, everybody has to take ownership. It's not just the players, it's not just the coaches, it's, it's, it's everybody, it's we won together, we lose together. Everybody has to take a look at themselves and say, what are we doing? So, yep. Absolutely. Kyle, thank you so much for coming on. I know you yeah. got to I know you got to take off, finish dinner and uh, leave us with some words of wisdom real quick for Sun Devil fans. L lift our spirits up a little bit. They've won. I mean, ultimately, if you, the spirit lifting is that they've found a way to win the last two games very easily could have folded their tent, could have folded their tent against UW when things yep. were not going well. They found a way to win. And that's what you have to build off, build off that W again. Though, if you want to win consistently, you have to play consistently. And I think that's the issue is that it has been inconsistent play. So ultimately, though, they're 1-0 from this week. That's all you're trying to be. 
you get a W, you get to move on, you know, with another W under your belt. A lot, lot easier to fix things with W's than it is with L's. Absolutely. We're going to let you go, Kyle, at Warhods56 on Twitter. Follow him for, for some of the best content and tell your wife I love it when she tweets at the at the kids' games. One of I the will, best on Twitter. For sure. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, right. my friend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. That was absolutely insightful. I love what he said about the, the mindset going into the different teams and what he spoke about with this current group and kind of what we're missing and what we've seen overall. Um, we're also going to bring our friend Jonathan Poppy to the podcast. Uh, ASU super fan. I know he attended Arizona State. I'm not sure when he graduated, but let's ask him. Let's bring him on the stream right now. Jonathan Poppy, how are we doing? It doesn't say that your mic is connected. You might need to. Oh, there you go. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Absolutely. How's it going, my friend? I'm I'm great. Happy to uh, be back in, in Phoenix and be out of the rain. It was a, a cold and, and wet weekend, but uh, made a little bit drier with the W for sure. How was the Washington fans during the game? First half compared to second half and, and to pregame for that matter. Yeah, so my experience was a little bit interesting. Um, did the uh, sailgate with ASU Alumni Association, Seattle chapter put it on, so big um, props to them. It was a, a great event and had a lovely time. So it was with Sun Devils pretty much all all pregame. Um, so didn't have a whole lot of interaction. Um, but then during the game, um, you know, had a little, you know, friendly banter. I'd, I'd been up there before and didn't have the, the most welcomed experience. And so I kind of went into the game kind of pessimistic about their fans and thinking yeah. that, you know, just kind of try to survive and, and move on and kind of Stayed myself, not to, not cause too much trouble, but um, in our section we actually kind of had mostly neutral fans, like had um, like an LSU guy, uh, had an Odell Beckham LSU shirt that we kind of chatted up with, and a um, few international people. So didn't have a whole lot of interaction with actual UW fans, to be honest with you. Um, our section, like many sections in Husky Stadium yesterday, was pretty empty. It was a, a very light crowd. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't have a whole lot of back and forth, but uh, definitely uh, even with the limited fans, you could definitely notice a difference first half to second half as far as the energy levels and crowd noise. So it was, it was good to shut up the, the few Husky fans were, that were at the game yesterday. The few. Uh, so let me ask you, when did your Arizona State fandom officially begin? I mean, it's, it's really from as early as I can remember. Both my parents are, are ASU alums, so it was definitely awesome. something that I was born into. Um, like my dad was at the, the Rose Bowl game um, in the 80s. Was that 86, 87? Um, 86, right? Um, where we won, so he attended that. And, uh, yeah, so really from, from as early as I, I could, I, I didn't I, – it was a pretty easy choice as far as where to go to, to school. I, I applied at one university and got into the one university and, um, you know, went to a handful of games as a kid. Really, ASU baseball was what I was raised on. And then I've had mm, season – Awesome. I'd, yeah. And then for, for football, had season tickets since 2010, which was my junior of high school. So to answer your question from um, before, graduated from ASU in 2016 – um, and then, yeah, just kind of, I was at 2010 to like when I got those, those tickets, then to present is kind of where like the diehard fandom has, has come into play. Well, I, I apologize for the many sorrows I'm sure you've had to endure <laughs> along with me. And, and I want to touch on basketball a little bit while you're here, but it sounds like you've at least been around the program long enough to kind of understand where me and Kyle, I don't know if you caught the first part of our. Uh, podcast what me and Kyle were talking about and it's the expectations of fans versus reality right and you and I are very active on Twitter and you have a, a very good perspective on wins losses seasons than a lot of others and including myself I'm a very passionate fan and that sometimes comes out negatively but you know what when it's 11 30 at night on a Saturday and You've watched nothing but college football and you can't wait for your team and then they show up and do what they do against Utah or Washington State and you know the start of last night it's hard not to be critical so what is your own personal expectation of where this program should be year in and year out let's start there and then we'll dive into this season and, and 
the roller coaster it's been. Sure. So, yeah, I, I caught, uh, didn't catch a whole lot of the conversation with Kyle, but did hear him say that the expectation should be Pac-12 championship. Uh, and I agree. I mean, we're, I don't know if this year we are the largest in the country, university in the country, you know, at worst we're top three to top five. So with that should come the budget where you can pour those into athletics, especially football and basketball to be competitive at the highest level. I mean, the other kind of university that we go back and forth with for largest in the country is Ohio state. And so there's no reason in my opinion that we can't be the West coast, Ohio state. Um, obviously we have, you know, private universities like USC and Stanford's down, but, you know, obviously with their endowment, they have different levels of finances that we can, but there's no reason that we should compare ourselves to, you know, the, the Colorado's and Utah's um, when we have the budget of, should have the budget of, of much larger universities. And right. I know some of that comes from, uh, you know, money from alums. And I don't think we have the financial support that, you know, a lot of those um, other teams, you know, the Big Ten or SEC have just, because of culture and you know our alums focuses are, are elsewhere unfortunately um, which academically is is great but i'm selfish and i like sports so i, I wish it the sports could. podcast be as selfish as you want <laughs> right well and we have a big enough alumni base where we should be able to financially support academics and athletics like it shouldn't have to be an either or so um i agree we should definitely have high expectations and uh you know given where we're at there's there's no reason to compete for that we shouldn't be competing for championships year in and year out. So coming into this season, where were your expectations? Mine were, I didn't see any possibility of us losing the Pac-12 South, mm -hmm. right? The championship game and beyond, you know, that's up for debate. One roll of the dice or spin of the ball, things can happen in championship games. But what was yours personally going into this season? Uh, when I looked at the schedule, I didn't see a loss. I was like, you know, things can happen. Obviously, um, the the road has always been a struggle for us, but we were the most talented team in every single game, and I still believe that. You know, even though we're we're sitting here at seven and three, and honestly, we're not a good seven and three team as it stands right now. But yeah, going in, I I generally try to be pretty level headed, and um, even kind of going back to like twenty fifteen when you know it was the best team that Todd Graham had ever had and, and we had super high expectations I was at that spring game and we did not look good I was like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna try to, to remain optimistic um in 20 back in 2015 and, and you know maybe we, we do live up to the hype and like I just don't see it and so mm. coming into, into this year I was like all right like I know we're supposed to be good but like let's you know be, be cautious and temperate um but you know going to this I went to the spring game uh for this year and from everything that I saw, I was like, all right, cool. This looks like a team that could, um, you know, you know, cause some damage and, and, and do pretty well. I don't know if, if 12 and 0, but uh, definitely 10 and 2. And yeah, it was it was definitely the South was ours to lose. And um, with Oregon, they had some question marks that still do. So I thought we could maybe get them. But, you know, I was, I was thinking at least Pac-12 South champions for sure. Um, and I thought. I didn't think Utah would, would look how they've looked, um, you know, this back half of the year. I thought USC right. would be our, our, our biggest competition. So once they kind of started struggling, I was like, all right, cool. Like, even better news for, for us. We had that slip up against BYU. But even after that, I was like, cool, like, we're still in good shape. Just take care of business against Utah and, and we're good to go. So, um, yeah, it's been a disappointing string of events. But yeah, I definitely went in pretty optimistic. So considering. I'm sure you've heard all the rumors. You've you've been a guest on the Speak of the Devils podcast, and and you know those guys over there. And I see you going to all the tailgates and and all of your wa uh, Washington, Wisconsin, and Oregon gear. But like after watching it this year, considering the recruiting scandal and Herm Edwards, where do you stand? Are you on the Herm train or are you off? Let's just let's throw that out there right now. Yeah, uh, you know, thankfully I, I I don't work for ASU, so I can't be fired. But uh, I am I am off to Herm Train, unfortunately. So yep. um, I, I I kind of echo Jordan's sentiments. Like, obviously Herm seems to be a good dude, but lack of control, honestly. Like, I I don't think the scandal is necessarily directly his fault, but obviously he is hands off enough where assistants under him can can do things like that. So. 
Um, between that and just the lack of discipline we've shown, and honestly, the lack of heart. Like, I know players take offense to that, and yesterday we, we showed more heart than I expected. I hadn't seen us look like that in a few weeks. Um, we still have some major issues, but at least, like, we played till the final whistle, and it looked like we gave up five minutes into it against, you know, Wazoo. So, um, I just – I want – yeah, we, we need a change. I don't know what that looks like. I, I think – Ideally, I'd like to see it go even higher above above Herm. You can take out Herm, but raise still the AD, and I think there's some issues there. So, um, I'd I'd like to see some some big changes because, kind of going back to the start of our conversation, like what our expectations are, and I know Ray's has said the right stuff, but just culturally, kind of across some of athletics, I just don't see the the commitment to winning and, and doing what's necessary and, and doing it the right way to. Um, be sustainable or have sustainable success. I, I completely agree. I look at the state of the men's athletics and I say men's because, you know, a lot of the women's athletics aren't always shown on TV all the time. I mean, I catch softball when it's on and I feel like those girls give, go all out and they give everything. When I watch any Charlie Turner Thorne coached team, yeah. right? Like not, not a Rams and higher, but yeah. Exactly. But you see the consistency year in and year out from that mm -hmm. coach and what she expects. And it doesn't matter if you watched one game in 2018, two games in 2016, and you're going to watch a game this year, you're almost going to see the exact same thing throughout. And then when you turn to the men's teams, baseball, we, we could have a whole podcast about everything mm -hmm. Tracy Smith did or did not do. Right. Mm -hmm. We could talk about BFH, Bobby Effing Hurley. Again, all the good things he has done, but we could also go on a whole podcast about what he hasn't done. And then it's the same thing with the football program. And again, you're right. Ray Anderson is saying all the same things, but isn't that what Todd Graham did, dude? Didn't he say all the right things when he first got in as well? Yeah, absolutely. We we have a lot of people who, who like to talk a lot and uh, ASU – you know, I, I graduated with a degree in marketing, so I know how to to you know, phrase things a certain way to to sound appealing, right? But you know, Herm's from saying those words and actions, right? Well, we have half of that, so where's where's the back end? And yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I don't see a whole lot of changes with this team from Todd Graham. Positive. I, I might even, you know, I was I didn't love how Todd Graham was was let go in, in the circumstances especially since we did you know beat the arizona um in his last game and i thought he had some positive momentum but like uh i, I was kind of okay with the change but you know if, if you have to ask me like right now who would rather have at the helm like i'll, I'll give the edge to graham just because at least yeah his his players played with a little bit more heart played with discipline um but either way i mean the results are, are basically the same you look at the records yep. and you know, they're not, we're certainly not better. And, and that's what, what Ray Anderson said was the reason that we needed to change is competitive consistency. And it's just not there. Um, so, so by his, by his own standard and his own verbatim in theory, if, if it isn't for the fact that Herm Edwards has to be fired because of recruiting scandal, yeah. it needs to be because of Ray, what Ray Anderson said and hold that accountable. And that's going to be a tough pill for him to swallow so is he even going to do it? But going back to Todd Graham, I had Jamal Miles on recently on here, and I talked to Jamal at length. And one thing that really stood out that pissed me off about Todd Graham was he didn't show the seniors that had been there a lot of love. He went with the new guys. And I, and I thought back to that season and how Cam Marshall had such a down year, how him, Jamal Miles, had such a down year. And that really was shocking considering how – how how much of a playmaker Jamal Miles, uh, Kyle Middlebrooks, and those guys were. It was really shocking to hear that, and he was upset, and he hasn't wanted to go back to Arizona State since then. Mm -hmm. I, You can't have that as a coach, and I, I remember that I think you and I got into it a little bit after a really bad game with Todd Graham or something on Twitter. That's my old uh, Twitter handle, E-Devil. Um, and I was really pissed off after one of the games when we were blown out. It was probably like the 66 to 24 game against UCLA or something mm. like that. Mm -hmm. We had the worst, the worst defensive backfield I could ever remember. In fact, I think we were yep. last or second to last at the end of the year. Yep. So, and I, and I wanted him gone because if you're a defensive backs coach originally, 
and you can't even teach that, how can you be trusted to do anything else? And it's kind of like that with Herm Edwards, but this defensive back groups is a little bit better. I kind of digress on that point. But the whole thing that we're talking about here is us as fans being upset, holding the players accountable. And to a point, I think you're right with Todd Graham players and being held, not held accountable, but playing with heart and passion. But then you see Herm Edwards speech. How can you not like Herm Edwards? How can you not run through a window, a brick wall for him? Right. Mm -hmm. And then you see him on the sidelines. Good or yes. bad, he's right here. Good or bad, you see him right here. And then you see or you hear what Jordan Simone said about Jaden Daniels. You know, he threw his 15th pick of the game and he's walking off like it's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. And yeah. you you take the personality of your coach. That team takes their personality for good or for worse, right? Look at the Shiano's team with Rutgers uh, X amount, however many years ago, right? dirty, mean, fierce, and they're trying to knee the ball, but they're still going to go after your legs and your knees. They're trying to get that ball. This team is just so lackadaisical. So I think I'm I'm 100% off the train, but I don't know if hiring somebody new is, again, the right way to go. I just – I don't I don't know at this point, and that's yeah. the frustrating part, and I think you even mentioned that when Todd Graham was fired. Yeah, I mean, my, my philosophy is, like, you should never – as a fan, you should never um, – advertise for somebody being fired unless you have like an idea of, of who you want or what you want next. And I just really don't know where you go from here. Um, I think personally, I would like somebody younger with energy as a sub 50. Um, I'm, I really like uh, West coast ties, preferably. Yeah. Like I, I'm blank on his name. Um, the guy at Fresno state, um, I've liked what I've seen from him. K Kalen something. Um DeBoer. I think Kalen DeBoer. Um Kalen DeBoer, yep. Yeah. So just somebody like again, I don't know if, if you should go with an assistant or if you should go with, you know, like a, a, a G five type coach, but um I just think yeah, somebody younger, somebody that can relate to players more and, and know how to, to hype them up. Because yeah, like you said, I would run for through a brick wall for Herm when I hear him talk in a press conference, but obviously he's a very different demeanor on the sideline. And uh, yeah, I need just need a little bit more energy. And I don't know why he is the way that he is. I didn't really watch. I don't, I'm not into the NFL as much as I am in college. So I didn't watch how he was on the sidelines of NFL games. If he was the same, same way yeah. or if it's, yeah, that's just who he is on, on the sidelines. And, you know, those guys are, are professionals, right? So they, they know how to, do it themselves and get themselves hyped and have, you know, keep themselves accountable. But you, you have to coach college kids much different than professionals. They need, uh, they need to be, you know, they need father figures and they need to be taught how to, to work the right way and how to, you know, behave and act. And uh, I, I don't know, you know, I'm not in practices. I don't want to project, but it just seems that he's trying to, you know, treat them like professionals and they're not. Um, he needs to show them how to uh, how to behave and how to get get energized and, and act in games. And he just kind of sits back and lets them do their thing. And that might work in the NFL. Clearly it didn't because he didn't have a great record in the NFL. But uh, it's, it's certainly not working in college. So we're, we're seven and three, but it's because the Petrol is terrible. Yeah, this is probably the worst seven and three team I can remember. So you want to go with a college coach, not a former NFL coach? Is that what I'm gathering? <laughs> I yeah, I, I think I'm I'm good on the pro model for a bit. So I, yeah, it, it's tough. And I mean, I would we be in the hot water with NCAA violations if we hired a, a college coach and still had AP as as the DC? Mm -hmm. Like I don't know. Like, is it just because Herm Edwards didn't understand all the nuances of, you know, the the college world or? Did AP truly just go? I mean, either way, Herm, Herm didn't know what was going on. I, I think Herm had truly had no idea what was going on. Um, but yeah, it's, I highly doubt that that would happen if we had a head coach that knew the NCAA and you know guidelines and, and, and bylaws and yep. what you can and can't do. So because it's, it's obviously very very different than the NFL. Absolutely. 
So before we kick it over to basketball, we got a we got a fan question here from West Valley Jay. What's going on, Jay? Thanks for tuning in, man. Uh, All time favorite athlete to come out of ASU and why? Ooh, that's is a, it. That's Brock, a tough is it Brock one. Osweiler? It is. I I love Brock. I, honestly, I, I uh, definitely surprised at the success. Not that he had a ton of NFL success, but surprised about the the success that he had. Because I wasn't a huge Brock fan while he was here, but I've learned to, to appreciate him after the fact. Um, I so I went to Desert Vista High School here in the Valley. Um, so I'm I'm kind of biased towards um, products of of DV. So uh, big Zach Miller fan growing up. Uh, you know, watching hey, play in high school. Shout and, out Zach Miller. Yeah. Yeah, uh, was a was a great tight end. You know, it's I'm I love tight ends and fullbacks, so it's it's nice to see. us was using them a little bit more this year. Um, I would say Zach Miller, and then um, I really like Mike Nixon, uh, you know, middle linebacker nice. day as well. So those are kind of some some under the radar assistant guys, coach Mike but, Nixon on the field. Yeah, yeah. So those are those are kind of my two guys that you know maybe not everyone thinks about, but uh, those are those are my my guys growing up. So. Unfortunately, we we discuss the the flaws mostly with Arizona State football at this point, and and we're both a little, for lack of better words, confused on where to go with this program. And we know where it should be. We've you know we've got the uniforms now, although I I'm still frustrated that we haven't with with the uh, helmet situation. I understand the safety part, but I thought they were able to buy like one helmet a year, a new one, and they already had white and gold so then they go out and get this candy apple looking one and it's not it looks kind of cool but i would have preferred maybe the black because i just think the the matte black that we had was was perfect and that's a that's a uniform (laughs) thing so we got we got the uniforms is what i'm trying to say and we could talk about chrome and silver and all that fun stuff none of that really truly matters to me unless we're winning at a high level then i want to see some cool shit Mm -hmm. but you know we have the facilities we have the extra little, what is it, 30, 40 yard football field that's behind the stadium that they can do walkthroughs oh, on. Sure. Yeah, you know, we've got all the cool bells and whistles and we've got the new stadium. Everything's being renovated downtown. We have everything we could ever, ever want. And we still don't know where to go with this. And we still don't know. That's the most frustrating part. Even as fans, I've barely seen anybody throw out names, dude. You know? People aren't are confused about what we're doing as a program. So that definitely comes from the top down. You said that it might need to come from there. Kyle as, as well said it. People are saying it all over Twitter. Maybe it does need to happen. ASU football looking forward. Pretty bleak right now. Anything can happen. Transfer portal. Anything can happen. We could get a new coach coming in and boom, Spencer Rattler. Boom! Whoever whoever else is is in the in the transfer portal for good or for bad, and good things can happen. And you've seen with a change of culture, you're a big college football fan. When that new football coach steps on, year one can be a big year. It mm-hmm. really, really can. So it's bleak, but it's not impossible that we could be looking forward to brighter pastures ahead. Now going to college basketball, obviously doesn't have anywhere near the merits of football or baseball. How long have you followed the basketball program specifically? Um, so basketball is definitely like secondary to football for me. Um, uh, I would say I really started care, you know, caring and watching it regularly. Um, when I started going to ASU and, and joined the 942 crew, um, so that that obviously is a, is a quick way to get super involved with, with following basketball. Um, so I started my sophomore year of, of college, started at a community college and then transferred over. So I would was say that so. the Jahi and Blockchinsky's uh, teams with Herb Sundek? Was that that time? So that was what twenty. This is Blockchinsky was twenty fourteen. So yeah, that, that would have been my first okay. first year. So um, yeah, so I guess kind of twenty fourteen and, and on. Definitely a little bit like remember watching hard and then Pendergraft and Dodd back in the day. But um, yeah, twenty fourteen on is kind of what I've been watching regularly. So watching Bobby Hurley to me, and I have a little bit of a different perspective when it comes to basketball, obviously, because I coach and uh, one one of my kids was getting recruited by Arizona and Arizona State at the time. And I'm one of those fans where I'm like, don't ever go to the team down south. You don't want to live in northern Mexico and, you know, all the fun jokes that you can make as a coach. 
I would watch every single Arizona game if he went and played there, you know? So I really don't have any that type of real hate towards it as long as kids are, you know, doing the best. So that's just that's where I stand with that stuff. But when I see basketball, I can also look at that differently too and see what is going on, what they're trying to do, et cetera, et cetera. And man, when I see them, it's just the same thing with Hurley from year one to to this year, not boxing out, not closing out in transition, falling for absolutely every single pump fake. Um, I don't really blame Marvin Bagley for going after that, uh, or Marcus Bagley, excuse me, going going after that steal. You shouldn't do it. He was trying. He he put up a lot of points in that game. And when we lose on that buzzer beater, you can pinpoint that play. But there was so many plays where we just weren't boxing out. We're standing around. We're doing a lot of different things. Where do you stand on the Arizona State basketball program? And I guess mainly BFH, Bobby Effing Hurley. So I've been off BF, BFH for, for way longer than, than off Herm Edwards. I, I've, I mean, honestly, from like year two, I was like, this is not like, I understand we're getting way higher talent than we ever have with, with any of our previous coaches. But uh, like you said, it's just like the, the fundamentals just aren't there. It's, you know, I, I never played, you know, basketball growing up. I don't know the X's and O's, but you know, I know what a good box out looked like and I haven't seen it from ASU in a few years. Uh, you know, I know what a pick and roll is, and we don't really tend to do that, a bunch of those either. It's a lot of ISO and just, you know, trying to uh, get a, a deep shot or, or something, maybe hope, hoping that it'll change a little bit this year since we have more size. But, you know, again, you only know, have size and, you know, when you're playing post play, it's they're relying on, on just reaching for the ball instead of like user size and yeah. fundamentals and you'll get a lot, a lot more rebounds. And I haven't had a chance to watch um, really either game so far this season much. I caught a little bit of the first one, but um, was traveling during, during the second game. So um, can't, can't speak a whole lot to, to this year, but yeah, it's just, it, it's hard because yeah, obviously our talent level is there, but the X's and O's just, just seem to be lacking. And it seems like, you know, Hurley spends more time, you know, worrying about the officials and, and coaching his team and, and making sure that they are doing what they're supposed to be, do. So I, 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 even though I don't like him, I, I'd like to demote him to assistant and uh, just so we can keep him for recruiting, but then put somebody else in charge that is, you know, going to get our, our boys in, in shape and uh, actually run an offense and, and get the fundamentals and just basic basketball one-on-one stuff that, a you know, a legendary point guard, you know, shouldn't know how to do, but that, there that's, that's a very, very good point. Thank you for, thank you for saying that the legendary <laughs> basketball player should know. And you know, he does, you assume that they practice some of these things, but you go out and see it and just year after year, a lot of these guys just look like they're lost deer in a headlights. I mean, it took Kamani Lawrence his fifth year now to look like the player who I thought he was. Uh, you're letting Remy Martin dribble around and do whatever the hell he wants to do, which makes, mm-hmm. Rob Edwards think he could do that or Alonzo Verge or, you know, throw in ABC player. The only player I ever saw really truly box out was Romello White, but yeah. he was undersized. So a lot of the time, I mean, big body, he can move some people, but if he's the only one doing it, nobody else is. What are we going to do? The only good rebounding team we had was what, three years ago when we had Cheatham and Dort and, you know, those were, those were dudes that wanted the board that wanted it. So, when last year's debacle happened, Josh Christopher and uh, we could we could have another podcast just about that team. And all the jokes are like, wow, it's nice to see Josh Christopher do things that he didn't do in college. And I was like, what's that? And they're just like, play. <laughs> you know, we can make jokes about that. But Bobby Hurley came out last year and owned a lot of it and said, I need to recruit different types of players. And I was like, OK, I. I you're saying the, the right things again, just like we've heard from all the other guys, but he was talking about getting more dogs in there, getting more players that want it, getting players that are going to throw themselves on the ground and do this and that, or we're going to focus on defense and we're going to do this. So I was like, I'm going to pump all the brakes. Cause he said and highlighted every single thing I wanted to change. Mm-hmm. Got a new assistant coach in here as well too. look like recruiting is not going to be a problem. Again, we just got, uh, I think two, four star recruits, maybe a four and a three, mm-hmm. uh, one from Phoenix just recently last week. And then UC Riverside happens. And I know we're missing Jay Heath. I know we're missing Jalen Graham, the, the pride of Phoenix. But it's just the same thing. 
It's a little less iso ball, probably because you don't have a scoring caliber type of player like Alonzo Verge, like Remy. But every player has the green light to go. Every player, you see it when Kamani or, or Bagley gets the ball. And I know you haven't watched many of the games, but dude, it's just the same thing. And then we could talk about men's baseball, how maybe maybe Smith, Tracy Smith, was fired one year too late. Uh, what, three years ago or was it four years ago, John, that we started 18-0 and or 22-0? and I think baseball. it was, yeah, I want to say three, but I'll be honest with you, like, ASU baseball is the sport I grew up on, but I probably haven't watched a game and definitely since I graduated. So that was at least five years ago. So, and and part of it's due to just I, I don't follow baseball as much, and part of it's due to you know just what I hear from from Smith and and the product that he puts mm. out on the field. Just, just you know, I, I don't have any faith, no desire. So it's like if I'm if I'm kind of melancholy melancholy on baseball as it is i'm not going to spend the a little amount of energy i want to focus on baseball watching that team so no um, absolutely yeah so can't speak too much for baseball but yeah definitely disappointing because you know we are a blue or i don't even know if you're anymore but we definitely used to be a blue blood in baseball and you know as much as you know patrol championships is the expectation of football like you know, going to the World Series is the expectation for baseball, and we're not even coming close. So, um, yeah, it's disappointing for sure because, you know, that is ASU's bread and butter, and it's just not – we're just average at this point. But every single men's sport is at that exactly. point. And every- shout out to golf, though. Shout out to golf. I I, I remember watching them uh, in the championship last year, and that was that was crushing. Going to the last last couple holes, that That was was crushing for them. Um, I'm a big Arizona State athletics fan. Athletics meaning all of them. If they're Mm -hmm. on TV, if the wrestling match against the number two team is on TV, I'm probably going to end up watching it. I mean, hell, I stayed up until 3 a.m. my time watching. The gold medal game of curling uh in the 2018 winter olympics so i'm that i'm that kind of nut but i know that you watch as much golf as i do every other sport too so it's just it's just wider in our dna but the the fact remains arizona state's men's athletics except for golf <laughs> is at the same in wrestling is at the same yeah. tier and that starts from the top and there's only one common denominator um yeah. ray anderson <laughs> this isn't the NFL, bro. This is college. And you have a lot of passionate fans, for good or for worse, that are very, very unhappy. And I haven't seen this type of ups. I've seen this type of people being upset on Twitter, but not to this degree. Not in the, the fourth year of a team that's supposed to be Rose Bowl bound. With how many super seniors do we have? Like 20 or 22 super seniors, something ridiculous. Yeah. And, and then... Good. Yeah, and then Arizona State's basketball team had to have a complete rehaul. We had two players returning. Have never seen that. And then baseball. I, I just yeah. hope Willie Bloomquist can fix it. So uh, we're running up on the hour mark here, John. Uh, give us some words of wisdom or some, maybe some positive insight on on ASU. It's it is looking bleak right now, but we're all going to be we're still going to cheer. We're still going to watch the damn Oregon State game, right? We're still going to watch uh, Arizona State and Baylor next Wednesday, or is it two weeks from now at the Battle for Atlantis? So yeah. give us some words of wisdom, man. I mean, so as, as bleak as football looks, and I think either way, Hearn should be out at the end of the year, we still have a shot at the Rose Bowl. Um, as, as crazy as it, as it sounds, we're 7-3. and three. If we went out, we'll be 9-3. and three. If Utah loses twice to Oregon, they're 8-5, and five, and it comes down to ranking. So I don't know how the, the committee would decide between a nine and three ASU team and a Utah team with two more losses. Um, but take care of business and, and let the chips fall where they may. So um, do I like our odds at, at Corvallis? Not necessarily. It's, it's hard to win in the Pacific Northwest twice in a row, but uh, we got it done this week. So let's go do it again. And, you know, the cup's going to come home. Um, you know, I know Arizona's looked a little bit better, but uh, I, I, I still feel pretty confident about that one, especially being in Tempe. So I think nine and three is a very realistic possibility and, you know, maybe outside shot of Pasadena still. So, um, and, and even at worst, you know, you're going to either Vegas or, or the Alamo, but I forget how all the, um, it's, it's kind of new this year. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's kind of shook up, but I mean, those are still 
you know, it's not where we wanted to be, but those are still two good bowls and above where, where we've been in, in the last few seasons. So um, certainly not where, where we want to be, but still a lot of good things to play for. And um, we'll see where, where all the violations, you know, shake out. But um, yeah, just take care of business the next couple of weeks and, and let the chips fall where they may. Take care of business. You know what? That's going to be my words of wisdom for this podcast is just take care of business. And that goes with sports. That goes in your personal life. Even when the, when you're on the John after the coffee hits at 9.30 a.m., <laughs> take care of your business. Uh, everybody, thanks so much for watching this Arizona State special. I'm thinking about doing kind of a a super fan Arizona State special, maybe maybe once a month, every two weeks, get, get Res Devil on here, maybe some of the boys from Crafty Devils. But start getting some more people on here and interacting with uh, Sun Devil Athletics as well, too. So please like this podcast, you guys. Please share it out. Hit up our anchor page and donate to the podcast to help keep this going if you so choose to. And we're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Uh, Jonathan Poppy, thanks so much com- for coming on. Where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, so at uh, JPOPASU on Twitter. Um, I tweet way too much, so uh, yeah, feel free to give me a follow. Absolutely. Make sure you go follow him. Follow us. He's on fire podcast. He's on fire. Thank you so much for coming by. We'll catch you next time. See you guys. Thanks, Evan.